when you've done something so long a certain way, it's like the old, the old teaching old dog new tricks kind of thing. So what what is that like, you know, to get that buy-in? You know, there's not a magic bullet. You you kind of have to lead them to the aha. I do my best to facilitate conversations. I tell owners to include, you know, some of their upper level team, because if they're part of the discussions that the buy-in help, it happens faster. You just got to set that time aside. You know, everyone has these weekly meetings to discuss projects. Very rarely do they set time aside to say, well, you know, what's working, what's not working, where do we need to fix it? And that's really the only way you can institute some change. Welcome into the Independent Thinking Podcast. This is your host, Rob Stott. Process is something that I think gets taken for granted a lot of the times in business. It's, uh, you know, it's those things when you think about it, it's kind of the the way you go about doing things is, I mean, that's what a process is, right? It's just how you go about accomplishing a task or um, completing a sale or whatever it is. Uh, there's so many, probably thousands of processes that uh, we go through every single day in life and uh, of course in business. So, Taking the time to step back and analyze what your process is for accomplishing something is, uh, you know, what like adding another process on top of a process, right? But it's something that you know, as, as we learned through our conversation today with Jason Sayin, um, founder of I Am Sayin back in 2014, uh, a company that they do this. He does this. I mean, he is a a, a process management ninja of sorts, as, as we dive into. But uh, a guy that has spent years in the custom electronics and or consumer electronics and custom integration industries and um, has seen businesses succeed and fail, frankly, uh, you know, based on just simply understanding what their process is and how to be more efficient in what they do. Um, you know, and, and as it relates to the CI space, you know, that's how they go about, you know, completing the, the projects that they are working on uh, for a client and um, making sure that they're efficient and sort of how they go about you know, completing those projects, but it's really understanding, you know, the, the ins and outs, every little detail of what you're doing to find where there's opportunities to, whether it's save money, save time, uh, at the end of the day, just make your business more efficient. And, um, you know, we, we talk with Jason, you know, like I said, about, you know, what he's doing for companies in the custom integration industry, but what he's doing, honestly, as we dive into as well is, is really applicable across so many industries, whether that's independent retail or uh, trucking, I, I think, is what we dive into with him, you know, a project he completed as he was uh, earning his degrees in, in, in this space and just a really unique opportunity to, you know, step back, uh, talk about stepping back and, and uh, step back and look at what process management looks like and how it can help your business. So uh, exciting conversation, um, one that, you know, I, I met Jason uh, years ago, but had the opportunity to reconnect recently at our Oasis Summit in Nashville and uh, was real excited to, the, to pitch the idea of having him on the podcast and have him accept the invite. So let's dive into it. This is Jason Sayan, uh, founder of I Am Sayan here on the Independent Thinking Podcast. All right, we are back on the Independent Thinking Podcast, and uh, real excited today um, to have a guy that you know have a, a bit of history together in the industry, and we've all take we we've, we've both taken different paths to kind of where we are today. But excited to have you on, Mister Jason, saying the founder and I love this process architect of I am saying uh, company that that you started that we'll dive into. I, I know we got a lot to dive into today, but first of all, how you doing, man? 
I'm doing great. Yourself? Doing I, you know, well, thanks for asking. I don't know how many times. I'll have to go back and count. Not many. I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've been asked. So, uh, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> doing well. And um, like I said, just excited to have you on Catch Up. I know we, we just saw each other not too long ago uh, at the Oasis Summit uh, in Nashville for, you know, Hank's big event, his uh, rebranded summits and, and diving into all that. And um, nice to reconnect. And I, you were there with us, like I, like I say. So, you know, what was... Uh, I want to start there before we dive into what you do and all that sort of, you know, awesome, exciting stuff. Um, you know, tell us what your experience was like at the Oasis Summit and uh, seeing all those uh, integrators come together, vendor partners, and and be able to talk to them. Yeah, it, it was really great. You know, I've done a lot of the different buying group events and, you know, they all have the same mission, but different formats. And I thought the way that Hank put it together, um, just the way you you guys showed the rebranding vision, which I thought was important. There was a lot of great press on it, but that presentation really painted the picture. Um, and also, you know, launching the new field team. So like timing was perfect. And just in general, the way that there was presentations followed up with group discussions and roundtables and breakouts, because a lot of times at these events, there'll be this amazing presentation by some thought leader and then it's not for another day or so that the attendees actually get to discuss it, right? Yep. So um, I just thought the way that it flowed and everything, and we had a nice wrap up at the end was was good. You could tell the the attendees were engaged. Yeah, and that, and that's even you mentioned the follow up conversations. That's even if they you know remember to come find you in the hallway and have that conversation with you, right? So to have that kind of scheduled time, I thought was pretty cool too. Um, definitely stood out and. Uh, you got you got the chance to uh, what he had. I feel like he had like six different keynotes, and you happened to be one of them <laughs> at Oasis. Uh, no, but um, you know, talk about that a little bit too. The uh, the opportunity to get in front of those integrators and um, share a little bit, kind of set us up to dive into you know what you do. But what what did you talk to them about? And for those that weren't there, uh, what was kind of your uh, your message to them? So this message is kind of the same that I've, I've been giving now for quite a few years as I've been speaking about process and, and efficiencies, um, because I started out in car audio. And when I left car audio, I noticed the kind of the cycle of phases that industries go through. And when I got in uh, more embedded into the CI channel, I saw everything that I saw in car audio. So I, I really try to start off by painting a picture of, you know, let's recognize where we're at as an industry and all these things are out of your control because people stress over supply chain and, you know, now there's this less expensive product that's competing with my product. And let's just talk about that and recognize that. And the whole message is really focus on what you can control, which is your business. And that's where I start to dive in on kind of the tools that I have. And I've always, I've always had the uh, kind of the impression or the mantra of, I'm going to kind of give away some free information and teach people what I know. And if that makes them better businesses, that's great for our industry. If they realize it's more than what they can handle, you know, then they'll reach out to me to hire me one-on-one. -on -one. And that, that message is always going over pretty well. No, that's awesome. And and you mentioned it's such a unique kind of way that you got to where you are today and, and with your company, because the background, like you were doing that, but not necessarily sort of in the, in the, you know, as specifically you know, drilling down to kind of what you're doing today, right? So talk about that path to like getting in with car audio and, and where you are today. What was that journey like for you? Yeah, so I, I started off as a car audio installer. And uh, as I go speak at these events, I find a lot of us started out in that side <laughs> of things um, and then transitioned into the manufacturing side as a trainer and regional sales manager and most of the companies I worked for, they did car audio. They also did CI stuff, uh, CI products. 
Uh, and then 2011 transitioned full-time in, into the CI channel, again, working with manufacturers. Um, I spent 10 years at JL Audio though, and that was my first experience of learning about Lean Six Sigma, mm -hmm. which is essentially a methodology and a set of tools to remove waste from a process. And all their assembly lines were built using these tools. And I thought, wow, you know, this is used in manufacturing. Could it, could it be used on the business side, back end office side? And it wasn't until 2017 that I got the opportunity to go back to school and I earned my green belt and black belt. And to earn my black belt, I had to use the tools um, to apply to a project with a business. And a friend of mine owned a pretty large plumbing contracting business, very similar in size and scope to a CI integrator. And uh, using the tools and identifying the problems they had, I was able to save about $50,000 a year and streamline their truck auditing process. Wow. And I thought, wow, I think our industry could use this information. And I put together a case study, put it on LinkedIn, started talking about what I learned. And that led to these speaking opportunities. And that led to someone asking uh, me to hire me after one of my <laughs> events. And uh, to be honest, I didn't know what he was hiring me for, but we basically it was to get everything out of his head onto paper. And that led me down the path of workflow documentation. No, that's awesome. And and to be clear, to go back a little bit, you mentioned a green belt and a black belt. Uh, so someone listening to this, you're not like a ninja, right? Like a, no. a trained in karate or anything like that. So talk about, explain that a little bit and what that means when you say you got your green belt, belt and your black belt. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and actually with Six Sigma, you can start off with, I think it's yellow or orange. Um, I started off with green, which is a couple steps up. But yeah, uh, people always get asked like, oh, so you know karate? I'm like, <laughs> no, I think Hank called me a mental ninja. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's basically a set of tools of, of uh, so it started off with like GE and Motorola. And on the assembly lines, let's say they're building a phone and they want to reduce uh you know, the, uh, the defectives by like 5%, 10%, um, full on six Sigma is a statistical analysis that can take six months where they, they look at what's causing problems and really drill in deep. And then they create a contingency plan to, to streamline it and remove that waste lean six Sigma, um, is kind of a stripped down approach. We don't do statistical analysis. It's just using some common sense tools and approach of looking at a process to identify waste and waste could be, an email versus a phone call, um, you know, using someone for something that they're really not designed for. There's a variety of ways of waste and just being able to analyze processes and streamline them uh, to improve efficiencies. So was that, was that program something you mentioned where you saw it, you learned about it and it was on the manufacturing side, did they already have in place a way to, to train on the business side that, that you sort of dove into and learned from? Yeah, absolutely. When, when you actually go to the, to, uh, take the classes, um, they apply it to all areas of the business. It just so happened that it really dug in on the manufacturing side because there's more of a tangible measurement. You know, we gotcha. were building a hundred of these and 10% were failing. Now we've reduced that. It's kind of hard to do that on the business side. Um, I mean, you can have metrics for like sales, but um, simple things like when I was doing my project, we were, we were analyzing how a technician ordered a part mm -hmm. and they would place an order through the iPad it would go to someone in customer service who would print this order, sit it into a bin in the office that would just wait for somebody to pick it up and then process it. Wow. And it wasn't until we sat down and actually discussed that, that the light bulb went off and everybody said, well, that's wasteful. Like this should just go directly to the person that has to process the order. So again, 
not as tangible of a measurement as in production, but when you just use the tools and have the conversations, you can find so many areas to make improvements in a business, which add to the bottom line. No, that's awesome. And it, it's like one of those things where I, I mean, we think of just in our day-to-day dealing with uh, and, and working closely with um, independent retailers and con- the, uh, the the custom integrators, just the fact that I think we, we hear it's kind of cliche at this point, but you know, you hear so often that they're in, working in their business as opposed to on it, right? And I think that's not to simpl- oversimplify, but you know, they, they get so ingrained in the day-to-day and kind of just going about things the way they always have that they don't take that chance to step back, right? And and think about right. the way they're doing what they're doing as opposed to, you know, how they're going about actually doing it. So uh, it, it's sort of that opportunity. You're, you're bringing to light the opportunity to, to analyze and find those efficiencies and streamline things. And um, I imagine, you know, you, you see a lot of it, right? So you, you've worked with a lot of businesses and talked to a lot of, um, you know, consumer uh, or custom integrators rather. And, and I, are there are a lot of commonality, like things that you find where, you know, there's a lot of um, deficiencies in sort of the way they're doing things that, that are common across a lot of these businesses or like, like you mentioned, there's a lot of different areas that you can kind of focus on. So I'm sure it's all over the board, but does anything sort of, you know, come up as uh, recurring in, in what you find? So probably the biggest commonality I see is, you know, all these projects have multiple phases. And to simplify it, there's a there's a there's a phase where they sell the project and get it under contract, and then it goes into the labor phases. So typically you're doing pre-wire trim and final and then transfer to service. That beginning phase is where most integrators don't have everything clearly defined. And so what happens is they sell a project, it goes under contract, they get a deposit, they schedule pre-wire. And most of the company isn't finding out about that project until they're showing up at the job site. <laughs> and, and this is big and small companies. I've worked yeah, with many yeah. sizes. And what happens then is whatever issues weren't identified in the beginning, like the, we're putting the wrong mounts for the TVs. And we, you know, if we would have discussed that up front, we would have caught it. Whatever the handful of things that are, you know, ingrained from the beginning that they're not covering, they compound later on in the project. Right. And so when an integrator complains about having to do multiple change orders or it's stuff they could have prevented because you're always going to have issues at the job site, right? right. Like the plans aren't going to reflect where the walls were and now you got to put the TV somewhere else. Like that's out of your control. So, you know, from a high level, it's it's we're looking at the things that are in their control and making sure they control them. So in that beginning stages, make sure the project's engineered properly. Make sure there's a meeting with the team so they understand what's coming you know, soon, give them a, an opportunity to create a feedback loop to say, hey, those mounts you sold on the last job took us two hours longer than they should have. Like, let's change those now before we get to the job site. Um, outside of that, supply chain isn't as bad as it used to be, but that's always a struggle. Change orders, um, software. Right. But it, honestly, if if anyone was going to take anything away from this, it would be looking at what happens from your project going under contract to that first on-site to do the install and figuring out the areas you can, you know, tackle problems ahead of time. Do you have a lot of like aha reactions? Like, oh yeah, like I, I can't believe I didn't think about that from from clients. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> um, you know, my my focus is helping them visualize their process through workflow documentation. And so many people focus on the written documentation. So I'll get a client that has a Google Drive, a Dropbox folder full of documents that they've never seen. They had the right intentions. So when you visualize it, 65% of adults are visual learners. 
it's almost always a light bulb. Like, oh, now that I see it like that, okay, yeah, right. we need to do it this way. <laughs> no, that's all. I mean, it, it's true, right? Because I, I can think about, you know, just the idea of uh, you can go through a process so often and, and not even realize, I, I don't have any data on it, but like just how many processes we go through in a day as people. Like once you start writing it down and seeing what, you know, your day looks like, even from a personal scheduling standpoint, you can understand like, oh, well, Instead of spending 30 minutes on on this project, maybe I could have done it in 10. Like just finding all those sort of ways to streamline your own day and then just the grander scale of applying it to a business. So you don't realize it until you start putting it on paper. And I I I love that. And I love, you know, even going back to what you were presenting on at Oasis and seeing sort of the just how many steps one of these projects can take for a custom integrator and um, there's a lot. Like if you don't have it in front of you, almost like a map, there there's a lot of different areas where you know, you can get lost in a, a project or a process rather. And um, just, it, it's a lot to try to pull from memory, if anything, you know, I, I know a lot of these things are just, they're used to doing it a certain way and maybe it's muscle memory for them at this point or, um, you know, something along those lines, but like, it, it's, it's crazy. I can't, I can't even imagine how many of those type of moments that like a client would have going through this process with you to see sort of what it looks like when they write everything out. Yeah. And, and again, it doesn't matter the size of company. Yeah. I've worked with two person operations and 50 person operations. And some of these companies are pretty sizable from a revenue perspective and employee perspective. And you start to wonder like, man, how do they not, not that they're poor businessmen, but you're, right. you're, you're blown away on how they were able to grow that well, because there's some very severely broken processes, but some people are conditioned to just pushing through the friction and, and kind of fighting the fires as they come. Well, that that's something too. Like you, I mean, you're known in the industry, obviously, having the background in the space, and you got a, a lot of the these companies. You know, you mentioned you go to the different groups and and you're talking to them, and um, very well connected. Do you is it? Do you find that you know? Are you active actively? I'm sure you know, in any business it works both ways. Trying to find clients, clients come to you. Is it? You know, do you think there are? Do you have a lot of businesses? I guess what I'm trying to say that come to you seeking advice, or is it like they didn't even think about it, and you have to kind of educate them on the the opportunities that exist to go through a process like this? I mean, ninety five percent of the people that sit through either my presentation at a conference or I have like a ten minute presentation where I dive deep into what I do, they yeah. they all get it. They're like, we absolutely need this because they're either struggling with their software to make right. things run smoothly. Um, or they need to hire people and they don't know where they need to hire for. So getting the agreement that they need it is probably the easy part, which is great. <laughs> but get, getting the buy-in to actually do the changes that they need to is the tough part. Right. Um, and well, that's a nice nice segue, right? Because I, you know, follow-up question to that is, um, you know, about that buy-in. Because I can think from, you know, even just like a simple thing, I think like companies in the past that I've been involved in where they try to, you know, implement um, and not to say this is the same thing as what you're doing, but something like a monday.com or like, you know, there's process management tools and, you know, there's, there's often resistance. So I can only imagine when you've done something so long a certain way, um, you know, it's tough to get that buy-in from, you know, maybe not, or maybe it is even the person that's like recognizes that they need to make these changes, um, and getting them to adapt to, to a new process, a new way of doing things, but the rest of the company too, right? The, the people are that are out on the project sites and um, you know doing the work, trying to get them to change. It's like the old the old teaching old dog new tricks kind of thing. I imagine. Right. So what what is that like? You know to get that buy in, or do you have any uh, tips or advice for that? 
you know, there's not a magic bullet. You you kind of have to lead them to the aha that we need yeah. to make the change. So I I do my best to facilitate conversation. So one time I was with a client on Zoom and and I try I tell owners to include, you know, some of their upper level team because if they're part of the discussions that the buy and help it happens faster. But w- one time we we hit on something that I just sat back and they had like this 15 minute dialogue on, well, we did it this way and we need to change it this way. And and they solved their own problem, which is great. And and I tell every client, like, I'm not, I'm not in on massive change. So if you tell me, just tell me what I got to do, like, that's not me. I want to learn what you're doing and then figure out how to make improvements. So that behavioral change isn't as great. Um, That being said, it all comes down to them making the time to work on their business. So uh, right now, almost all my clients are virtual and it's a 90-day engagement, although um, starting next week, I'm doing some in-person two-day boot camps, which will be exciting. Um, but that process helps hold them accountable. We meet every week or every week, every other week for an hour to work on their business in various ways. And so that, that's what I tell everyone is you just got to set that time aside. You know, everyone has these weekly meetings to discuss projects. Very rarely do they set time aside to say, well, you know, what's working, what's not working, where do we need to fix it? And that, and that's really the only way you can institute some change. I, I want to ask, you know, we I asked you earlier about some of the uh, commonalities. Anything like ever super catch you out of like left field uh, of something that you're like that came out of going through one of these uh, process, you know, process management situations with the client where like like blew your mind. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is what you think I'm going to say, but I had a, a pretty large client that hired me that was struggling with their software integration. And it was pretty obvious why it wasn't working. And that's because someone else on their leadership team didn't have buy-in. So they were stuck in the old software while everyone else was stuck in the new software. And when I built the first version of the process map, they're like, why does it look so messy and I go because that's what you're doing (laughs) and they've since moved on and got rid of the old software and got alignment but there was not internal alignment and there's all you know there's only so much I can do with that right but given the size of the and scope of the company and the fact that they knew they needed this I was still shocked to find that there was someone inside the company who was holding out (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean that is crazy, and that kind—I of, mean—that gets back to the buy-in question too, right? Like, how much? So much of this is—I mean, specifically what you're doing is map. You mentioned the process map and kind of writing out how you know a company goes about doing the 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 things that they do. But I, I feel like a lot of this too is like just those interpersonal things between people in the office, right? So it's a lot of just people talking that you know they might be in different departments and not necessarily see each other face to face so almost this interpersonal inner office communication is a big part of this too yeah no absolutely and it's the same whether you know i'm considered a a coach or consultant specifically on process there's there's some other industry business coaches that focus in other areas and of course you have eos and, and all of those are great solutions but at the end of the day it's it's usually the holding the business owners accountable and the employees accountable and, and helping them with, with change behavior. No, that's interesting. And, and kind of the, you know, you go back to your early training in this and um, the project that you did at, while, while sort of earning your belts, earning those, uh, those, those degrees and, and whatnot. And, you know, this is clearly something I think that uh, to me sitting here, listening to you talk, obviously you've got the CI 
uh, focus for what you do, but I, I have to imagine this is easily applicable, you know, I think to the rest of the nationwide membership and, and sort of what, you know, a retailer does. Have, have you been able to see sort of what you do apply across other industries and other spaces? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually have a client that is a, um, a roofing company and they own a plumbing business. So I've done the same thing that I've done with CI integrators. Um, I've already started talking with some manufacturers that started at Infocom just last week um, because I have a manufacturer background and they they also recognize that they could you know shore up some of their internal processes. Um, I've met with doctor's offices and a lot of times at these conferences, someone will pull me aside and say, hey, I got a friend that owns this type of business. I think they could use it. So yeah, it, it, it can apply to anyone and everyone. Because as businesses start out, you know, you don't really have formalized processes unless right. you've you've started and created and sold companies before. So you kind you kind of have to organically figure it out as you go. And then everybody has that different tipping point of when it's time to step back and say, all right, I need to reassess this because you're just going to hit a plateau and you're not going to be able to grow anymore. Well, that, that's a great point too, because you know, I, I think I'm sure a lot of the people that talk to you are people that have been around, um, you know, in business for a while and they're trying to figure out, you know, where either, how do we get to that next level to your point or, um, where are the, where are the areas where we can find some efficiencies, but is there, yeah, maybe you've worked with, or, you know, is there sort of benefit to a company that's just starting out before they even have process in place? Is this something they should go through to, like, if they don't know what the process is yet, can they develop it or, or sort of, I, kind of talking myself in circles, but you see where I'm trying to get at with like kind of a new business set a process before they really know what that process needs to be. Yeah. I guess if, you know, somebody was a installer and decided to start their own integration firm with one other person, I might tell them you need to go figure it out for a little bit because you're yeah. used to installing, but someone that's been doing at least a year or so now they have a process under their belt in some way, shape or form. Um, and I've worked with a handful of one to two man person operations where now they realize they need a CRM because they got so many inquiries and they need some project management software. And, and at the backbone of software, software is a tool to automate and systemize your processes. Yep. And most people try to leapfrog that and go, well, I know I'm a mess. The software is going to fix it. Well, <laughs> you got to have a good understanding of your processes. So yeah, somebody just starting out, you know, I would say a year or so could definitely benefit from it. And it, and although a lot of my work is one-on-one -on -one engagement and for some of those types of clients, um, it might be a little expensive. I'm actually working on some like group workshop sessions for smaller companies where they don't need this formalized map. They just, you know, they need someone to hold them accountable and they need someone, you know, to give subjective feedback on, you know, here's the things that you should be doing, just basic yeah. stuff. Well, it's a, it's a great chance too, before they get too far in um, to doing things a certain way, they can make sure before they develop those bad habits of, yeah. uh, you know, not following certain processes or, or being super inefficient that they can get that set in place and, and, you know, be set up for success sort of early on rather than having to go back and, uh, you know, find that someone who's been around for a while hasn't, uh, upgraded their software to, <laughs> you know, what they should be using <laughs> with the, along with the yep. rest of the company. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, I, I love it. I mean, from the process map and, and sort of seeing you talk through that. And I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like it could be overwhelming for someone when they see everything written out, but at the same time, like you almost want that feeling, right. So that you can understand sort of, um, you know, the, the truth to, you know, you can overwhelm your business, but there's ways to fix it. And, and that's sort of what you're there helping them to do. And uh, it's great, man. It's cool to see it in action too, for sure.
No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've tried to demystify it because it is overwhelming. And I've learned that what, what typically happens is there's an issue at our project. So let's just say, you know, the owner says, man, half the time my team's not covering up the landscape audio wiring. And so, oh, we need a checklist to solve that. And somebody writes it and it gets stored digitally and never seen again. So all these things get built um, in silos. And then the other challenge is if they do try to pull the team together to sit down and talk about process, they just start getting so detailed and like, oh, well, what do you mean we need to enter it into the software? We should write the instructions on how to do that. And then they just, they stop. So I take this visual approach of creating this blueprint to get the high level overview to then identify what you actually need. And so that's kind of the concept that I've been teaching because I see people just, they just go off into the weeds. The other, the other problem is they treat it like a project. So it's like something they need to go get done and then it's done as opposed right. to it's, it needs to be something that's part of your business and gets ingrained into it. I mean, anyone that's flown, right? There's a pre-flight checklist. There's a whole set of processes that if they don't do that, we're not going to make it to our destination right. and it should be treated the same way in our business. Well, like any business strategy, right? You, you think about, um, you know, you, it's one of those, you look three, five, 10 years out on where you want your business to be. And it's not, well, all right, I wrote it in a year from now, nothing's going to change. You know, there are many factors that happen um, over the course of a year that could impact what that outlook looks like for your business. And so it's a, it's one of those living, breathing documents and same, same can be said about, you know, setting a process because things can change, uh, you know, over time, it's something that you should constantly refer to and, um, you know, treat like a, a living, breathing document that needs to, you know, constantly, uh, see the light of day. You can't just put it on a shelf and forget about it and uh, say like, Oh, it's fixed now. <laughs> Thanks. And, right. uh, we'll, we'll just continue going about things the way we've gone about them. So, um, no, it's awesome. And, uh, appreciate, uh, you know, all the work. And like I said, it's cool to see that, you know, obviously the, uh, the CI space is, uh, where your, your heart and, uh, mine is mind is most of the time, but this is something that is applicable. And, you know, I think a cool message to hear for the entire nationwide audience, because, uh, it's one of those things that if they're not hearing about it, they're probably not thinking about it. And if they're not thinking about it, they're definitely not working on it. So um, just a nice reminder for sure that this is a, an area of opportunity for all businesses. So we appreciate you taking a few minutes and, and sharing your message with us. Absolutely. And, you know, on a side note, tied into what you, you just said, but um, I, I had conversations with one of the groups, one of the members that was uh, I met at Nashville and there are three owners that are all looking to retire over the next year or two. Yeah. And so that's another reason to do it because, you know, if you're selling your business, uh, you need to have something in place, just like when you buy a franchise. I mean, imagine buying a Subway franchise without some operations manual and documentation <laughs> wouldn't be as right. valuable, right? <laughs> so um, we're seeing a lot of integrators who are trying to sell their businesses to their you know, employees or give it to a family member or sell it out on the open market. And you, you need to have some sort of documentation, ops manual type structure to add more valuable to, add value to it. No, that's a great point. And another area too, I know um, that succession planning, it, it's, it's sort of not to re-reference your checklist point, but this should be something on that checklist for a, uh, a succession plan is to make sure that... Um, you know, when someone takes the keys, they, they know what to do, or they got a good plan in place to, it, it goes to that building a lasting legacy, right? Like the, you created this, you want to see it continue to succeed. And, um, I'm sure getting out of it, you know, obviously there's that, the, the, the check that comes with selling the business. That's nice, but 
uh, there's something too to be said about having that name continue to live on and watching what you built, um, not just uh, you know crumble because you didn't have a good process in place to hand it over and and you know make the the transition easy. So great point. So yep. um, no, Jason, this was awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. I feel like there's you know a million different like rabbit holes we can go down, but a, a nice overview conversation on process and um, you know kind of sets the table for anyone that might be interested and. Uh, certainly can reach out to you for more. We'll have all the links underneath in the episode and people should be sure to, to click and uh, learn more about you and what you're doing and all that good stuff. But um, man, we appreciate the time. This was awesome. No, thank you for the time. Awesome. And, and big thanks again to Jason for taking the time uh, diving into this with us, like I said, it's a conversation um, you know important to have. One that you know I think a, a lot of uh, people. I said it at the top. I think people take process for granted. Um, we kind of go about doing things a certain way uh, over time. It, it just becomes second nature, and um, you don't think that there's any other way it could be done, or you're just so used to doing something a certain way that uh, you, you don't even take the the time, or again take for granted the the fact that there could be a more efficient way of accomplishing what you're trying to do. So. Um, unique opportunity to set, step back with Jason and talk about this space and uh, maybe, you know, drop a nugget or two in, in your mind about um, finding some ways to, to be more efficient as a business. So appreciate him taking the time and chatting with us. And as always, appreciate you listening to the Independent Thinking Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.